passage for this morning is Acts 4 in the New Testament. Acts is the fifth book of the New Testament. And we're going to start in verse 4, or start in chapter 4 rather, verse 32, and go through 5, 11. But before we do that, let's take a moment, go back to God, and ask Him to bless this time of Bible study. Heavenly Father, we come before you now and we just ask that you would open up our hearts and our minds, Father. We know that I have nothing to offer here. I have nothing to say, Lord, that anything that is taught to us this morning is going to come through your Holy Spirit. And so I pray right now that you would open up our hearts Open up our minds to what it is that you have for us this morning. Help us to hear, see, and understand, and put into practice what it is that you will teach us here this morning, Father. And now I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. Acts 4, starting in verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed for each as they had need. Thus, Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias... Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? 
Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in and found her dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Is it weird that this is one of my favorite Bible stories? I mean, it's not like this is going to make the top ten of most comforting Bible stories. Read to your kids before they go to sleep to calm them and soothe them. I mean, this is, this is a harsh story. This is a harsh episode in the life of the infant, the early, the burgeoning church. But I think one of the reasons why I like this story so much is because there's an element of somebody getting exactly what they deserve in this. I don't know if you were part of Carmageddon 2013 last Wednesday, where my commute home on Wednesday afternoon, which usually takes between 20 and 25 minutes, took me an hour and a half. I started out on 280 and it was gridlocked, so I turned off onto Valleydale and it was flooded and it was backed up. By the time, an hour later, when I had gone eight miles in an hour, that's eight miles an hour. Took me, I had to write that down to figure that out. <laughs> I finally made it to 65, and I thought, surely 65 will be moving, and it was a parking lot. And I sat there, and it took me another 30 minutes to go two miles to get home. And as I sat there, in the lane, waiting... People began whizzing by me on the shoulder, pulling out, whizzing by, to the point that even the shoulder started to get backed up. (laughs) And what these people didn't realize is that they were just causing more problems because when they got down to the end of the exit, they had to then come back over, and it added more to my commute. Now, I won't judge you if you were one of those people driving on the shoulder because I'm sure that you had a legitimate excuse and some legitimate emergency. But for everybody else... I was sitting there secretly wishing that there was some sort of a police officer there right at the exit just handing out tickets, just passing them out. Maybe the people didn't even have to slow down. He, they'd just roll down their window and, he'd just, and they'd grab it as they drove by. <laughs> Alas, that didn't happen. Because so many times in this world, people don't get what they deserve, or at least what we think they deserve. And when I read this story... It just gives me some measure of satisfaction to see Ananias and Sapphira get what I think they deserved. They found out the hard way, the harshest way possible, actually, that you cannot lie to God and get away with it. This is a lesson that they should have known had they studied the Scriptures at all, because Achan, in Joshua 7... Learn this exact same lesson. And it's interesting to me that in the original language of this story and the story of Achan shares the same turn of phrase saying, they kept back for themselves. Achan, of course, as you will recall, decided that he was going to take some of the gold and silver and a nice piece of fabric from the spoils of the Battle of Jericho when everything was to be devoted to God. 
And God revealed that sin, and Achan was stoned. Ananias and Sapphira here held back for themselves. And Peter makes the point, and he says to them, when he confronts them, you didn't have to do this. This was unnecessary. There was no requirement said that you needed to sell your land. But Ananias and Sapphira were much more concerned with the appearance, the looking like they were generous, than they were of actually being generous, actually serving God. And I know that that's something that we never deal with today in our time at all, and none of us ever struggle with that. I won't confess your sins, but I know that's sometimes a challenge for me. They had an opportunity to give the full amount, to bless the believers. And they saw what Joseph, who became known as Barnabas, got. He got a cool nickname out of it. And so he became the son of encouragement. I don't know, that doesn't seem like the greatest nickname that I've ever heard of, but apparently Ananias and Sapphira thought it was pretty cool, thought that was something that they wanted to do, and so they take this piece of land and they sell it. But they were deceptive in the doing of this, and they were greedy. And the interesting thing to me, and I think the reminder that we can see just in the skimming, reading, hearing of this story, is that God calls us to be faithful and to live in truth in the little things. I mean, it's not like Ananias and Sapphira had this piece of land that they sold say, ten acres, and they brought twenty bucks up to Peter and said, here's the money that we sold. And Peter's doing the calculations and maybe gets out his scroll or whatever, kind of writes down and says, really? Like, you sold that for two dollars an acre? I think maybe something's off here. No. I'm sure it was a small amount. Because if they showed up with this tiny amount and said that they sold this piece of land, they would have known. So for this, this whole plan that Ananias and Sapphira hatch to have any possibility of even beginning to work out, I'm sure they only kept back a small amount of money. And I think the same thing is true for us. That we're much more concerned with the appearance. That we want to give a little bit of our time. But we don't want to give all of it. We want some of our possessions to be consecrated to God, but not all of it. We'll give God part of our relationship, or maybe this relationship, but we'll keep back a small part for ourselves. And if this story teaches us anything, if this story shows us anything, it's that God wants all of it. He's not concerned with just a piece. He wants all of it. And he's very concerned with the small things in our life. Because there are things that we may think are small, but I think this story shows us that these things that we think are small, God does not consider small. So where, as you sit here right now, where are you holding back from God? 
What are you keeping from Him? What relationships, possessions, time, acts of service are you holding back? I don't know. But the Holy Spirit does. And He sure knew what Ananias and Sapphira were holding back. This is a harsh story. And it's a hard story for us to look at and to learn. And it's one of judgment. But when we look further and we begin to see what's going on here, we also see something else. Because who was it that called out Ananias and Sapphira? Well, Peter. Well, we flip back about ten chapters into the mid-twenties of Luke. What is Peter doing? He is lying. He is a dirty liar. And not only is he lying, what is he lying about? He's lying about knowing Jesus. That's not a little white one that you just kind of brush under the rug. That's not telling somebody that they look nice when they don't, that they have a nice haircut when they don't. He lied about knowing Jesus when Jesus is hanging on the cross. That's sort of, sort of a big lie. And yet, here he is, and he's the one that the Holy Spirit uses to point out Ananias and Sapphira's sin. And I don't know why Peter lived and Ananias and Sapphira died, except for to say this. The Bible teaches us and tells us that God's ways are not our ways and His thoughts are not our thoughts. And I think that in some small way, because of this church, this church on earth, that Jesus had planted and left and was now in the infancy stages, just growing, I think God felt that it was so important that this church was built on a foundation of honesty and integrity, and not greed and deception, that God, through Peter and the Holy Spirit, wanted to teach that church a lesson to show them that God is not mocked. What we sow in our lives, we will reap eventually. And I think there's a picture there for us to see with Ananias and Sapphira. But there's also a picture with Peter to understand the grace that God has for us. To understand that, yes, sometimes the mistakes that we make, and as in the case of Ananias and Sapphira, they are fatal. But sometimes, by the grace of God, the mistakes that we make are not. We see Peter there. He made a mistake. He blew it big time. But he knew Immediately, the third time that he denied knowing Jesus, he immediately repented and came back. And I think there's a word there for us to understand. Because the Bible tells us that the wages of sin are death. And Ananias and Sapphira found that out. But in Romans 6.23, the rest of that verse says, the gift of God is eternal life. And that's the picture of Peter that we see there. 
that God, through his grace, preserved Peter and kept him. And so, while Ananias and Sapphira are there, and they got what they deserved, Peter did not. And I think we think about that today. We look at our own situation, and we try to understand what this means for us. How, how do we understand this? And I think it reminds us of another situation. We think about the cross. When we think about the judgment that is required, because like I said, the wages of sin is death. All of the things that you and I have done, forget about this past week, let's focus on this morning, before we even walked in here. All of the sin that we, somebody needed to pay for that. And it's by the grace of God that you and I are even sitting here breathing. Because God is a holy and righteous and just God. And he demands, requires, that sacrifice for the unholiness, the sinful nature, the sinful acts, the things that we do and the things that we don't do, they need to be paid for. And so God, out of his love for us, sent his son Jesus to earth, to live a sinless life. I can't even imagine that. Because I can't even go five minutes without having a sinful thought or doing something sinful. But Jesus lived a sinless life. And then, willingly, telling God, not, your, not my will, but yours be done, sacrificed himself on the cross, not because of anything that he had done, but because of you and I. And he did that so that he could take on himself all of the sin that you and I and everyone else in this entire world has ever committed and ever will commit to pay once and for all the penalty but not just to make up for that, but also so that we could have eternal life as a free gift. There's nothing that we have to do to receive that gift. God gives it freely, and God desires a relationship with us. He wants a relationship with you. God, the creator of the universe, loves you so much, he wants to have a relationship with you here on earth and then in heaven for all of eternity. Is this a harsh story? Yes, it is. Should it cause us to take stock of our lives and see where we're holding things back, where we haven't fully committed to God, where we have kept things that we think are small? Absolutely. Because God demands everything from us. He doesn't want just lip service. 
He's much more concerned with our attitude than the appearance. So this is a harsh story, but it's also a beautiful story. Because it also, in the face of harsh judgment, brings us to the place of understanding the amazing grace that God has given to us. The amazing, unbelievable way that Jesus provided an opportunity for us to be able to have a relationship with God. And so we see two sides of the same coin when we read this story. And we understand that all the mistakes that we've made, the places in our lives where we're holding things back from God, they don't have to be like that. Because God gives us the strength. The Holy Spirit comes. And when we accept that free gift, salvation from Jesus, when we make Him the Lord and Savior of our life, the Holy Spirit comes. And through the Holy Spirit, He allows us to then take and turn over those areas of our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's overwhelming to think about how much You love us. It's overwhelming for us to think about the fact that You, the Creator of the universe, desire relationship. And you're not like us where you just say it. You put it into action, sending your son to die on the cross for each and every one of us. And I pray right now that you would open up our hearts and minds, show us the areas where we're holding back from you, show us the areas of our lives where we really need to move things out of just the appearance realm and into the actual doing realm, Father. And I pray that as we think about this harsh story of judgment, that we would also be reminded of the incredible, amazing grace that you offer to each and every one of us. And I thank you for that, Lord, because apart from that, we are lost and hopeless. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.